This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. Workforce development, fostering a climate that leverages talent of all types and leaders at all levels. We need jobs and we need a thriving economy. The single biggest factor is to know your vulnerability. Know whether it's in your consumers, your competitors, exactly what is in play. And that's something that not just Iowans, but Americans in general really don't understand. But how difficult will it be for Iowa in a global market? Iowa will benefit greatly from connecting itself to the world. There's a world of opportunity out there and Iowans are well positioned. Iowa's business climate is our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism. Online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Iowa's unemployment rate has been among the lowest in the country for some time now. The July 2018 numbers show Iowa's rate at 2.6% compared with a national 3.9% jobless rate. On the one hand, that's good, but it also causes problems. Because the number of people looking for work is small, it's hard for new businesses to relocate here or for existing businesses to expand. Beyond that, those looking for work may not have the skills required to match job openings. It's a subject that has drawn much attention of late in the state, leading to a bipartisan effort approved by the legislature this year called Future Ready Iowa, designed to help entities better connect employers and employees. But that's just getting underway without allocated funding. At the same time, new U.S. tariffs have already led to retaliation, and that could have a direct impact on the Iowa economy. Charles Sukup is an Iowa manufacturer whose business is directly impacted by the ag economy. We spoke in Coralville in early June at the annual conference of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Talk about the state of what we generally call manufacturing in Iowa. Is this a good climate, whether we're talking about where we're located in the country, whether we're talking about the uh, tax situation, workforce? Is this a good place for manufacturing? Yes, it is. And Iowa has worked hard, especially during the last couple of years in the legislative session, to uh, make it stronger for manufacturing, uh, growing employees in that. We have some people that love uh, employees, but uh, seem to dislike employers. And uh, you got to have both and make it successful for the employers so they can hire more employees. Right now, things are such that the most common thing we hear, and we've faced it ourselves, our own company has hired 180 people since January 1st. And we make grain bins, grain dryers, uh, storage. Our mission is to protect and preserve grain and the equipment that goes in it, as well as steel buildings and the safety homes for Haiti and uh, uh, alternative housing for those that are the poorest uh, people there. And uh, the biggest problem, the companies, and we're visiting about it here at the ABI convention, 
is uh, getting people. And the one thing you see, you know, there's been attempts in the past that, uh, well, we should raise the minimum wage. Well, this is a far better way. You have uh, signs up at grocery stores is starting at $11 per hour. You have advertisements considerably higher. We're hiring at a higher rate than that. That's the best way to raise wages for everybody. So as you, as a manufacturer, hear about some of the trade plans and the tariffs, I mean, obviously you're talking about making metal buildings. How do you react to it? Just as one individual, one man's opinion, but but how do you react to all of this? Are we on the right path? or? Well, number one, Jeff, we're scared to death. <laughs> uh, number two, we have to face the reality. Our steel prices, and of course, when you make grain bins, there isn't much else but steel, have gone up 40% from November. Now that is before the tariffs have come on and that sort of thing. Optimistic about where we are headed at this point? Cautiously optimistic right. on things. Uh, we're bringing on lots of people for the orders that we've gotten to provide that. The uh, basic, uh, the new tax law from the federal system, the things that have been done by the state here in the last couple years, all put us on a fundamental footing of rather than picking winners or top-down direction of letting the best grow. And we're seeing that with the low unemployment rate that we have now. Iowa manufacturer Charles Sukup. More on the impact of tariffs from a veteran financial journalist in a moment. But first, another subject of note of late focuses on how workers are being treated by Iowa employers, specifically Iowa's female workers. The Epic Iowa Corporate Challenge has been designed to address this, first through analysis, then through workforce development. Tiffany O'Donnell is CEO of Iowa Women Lead Change, a statewide organization based in Cedar Rapids. And the Epic Corporate Challenge is the only challenge in the entire country. Uh, other states have attempted, Massachusetts and Utah, both have something called an Epic Corporate Challenge. But what makes Iowa's particularly unique, as we head into our third year, by the way, um, is that we are actually measuring and tracking results uh, of five key metrics. So companies sign up for free. You can go to our website, iwlcleads.org or epiciowa.org um, and sign up for free. And what that basically means is a, a senior leadership in your organization agrees to commit to identifying an individual at the company. It's usually not the senior leader, which is totally fine with us, but commits to tracking one, two, or all five of these key metrics. And they are, what does our retention of women look like? What does our recruitment of women look like? What's the number of females in our top 10% of our senior leadership? How many women are on our board of directors? And then and finally, uh, pay equity. What's that look like in our organization? And as you may imagine, um, the pay equity uh, metric is the least publicly chosen, although I will tell you, organizations that are members of the Epic Corporate Challenge often do, that serves as a catalyst for them to take a peek at it. We find Epic Corporate Challenge companies, more than half of them, almost 60% of our Epic Corporate Challenge companies have said that they are taking a look at pay equity, oftentimes annually, uh, many times biannually, and more often than not, by third parties. 
So while we're not really here, we're not reporting pay equity because we have so few agreeing to publicly track it. It is one of the metrics. Tiffany O'Donnell of Iowa Women Lead Change. We spoke in Cedar Rapids in early June. Jordan Goodman has spent decades as a financial journalist covering issues for a variety of entities, including a long stint at Money Magazine. We spoke in mid-June about the impact of a tariff-spaced trade war between the U.S. and China. Well, the two biggest things I think will affect Iowa are soybeans and pork, where you have a huge amount of exports to China. A total in soybeans is about $14 billion. So China immediately retaliated uh, with $50 billion in tariffs against us, and it's going to hit those, those products right away. So it's going to make it more expensive for Chinese to import those things. And on the margin, some people may say, well, let's not buy them from the United States. Let's buy it from Canada or Argentina or Australia or Brazil or other kinds of places. So American farmers could definitely lose uh, some of their markets for their goods, particularly agricultural goods, because of the retaliation from China. And obviously, if you are going to retaliate, if you are a nation like China, you're going to pick these things that are consumables, that are disposable, because that has the immediate impact on America if you're trying to get back at us. And in fact, they're kind of targeting the, the tariffs that they're going to have on American products to vulnerable districts. <laughs> so Iowa being one of them. Um, and you know, things like bourbon, they want to hit at Mitch McConnell in, in Kentucky, and they want to hit at uh, Harley-Davidson motorcycles in Wisconsin. I mean, they're they're aiming their tariffs at kind of politically sensitive places on purpose. They're very smart about the way they do these things. Uh, but we're talking about huge numbers here. I mean, we we put $50 billion in tariffs. It's going to be done in, in two steps. Uh, on July 6th, $34 billion in tariffs are going to affect and then about a week or so later, another $16 billion. Um, they're, they're still coming up with the list on the other $16 billion, but they did on Friday actually release the list of uh, which specific products. I think it's 818 of them uh, that will be hit by the $34 billion in uh, tariffs. And also no accident that the U.S. ambassador to China is Iowa's own Terry Branstead. That is yet another layer on all of this. Talk, if you will, nationally about the impact of tariffs generally as we are escalating into a full-blown trade war as you see it? It's going to be paid by American consumers. So when you have tariffs, and we've already seen this with the steel and aluminum tariffs, that anything that has steel or aluminum in it, motorcycles, refrigerators, washing machines, cars, whatever it may be, prices are going up because those tariffs are ultimately going to be passed on uh, to consumers. Um, so that's one impact. And the other clear impact is if you're working in an export-oriented industry, uh, you may have uh, layoffs or, or certainly less production. I'll just give you one example. Boeing, uh, about 25% of its planes are sold to China. Well, maybe they're going to switch those orders to Airbus instead of Boeing. And you can imagine the impact on Boeing, which is a huge company, not only itself, but all the subcontractors supplying it as well. Um, so... Caterpillar, just all kinds of companies make stuff that we export to China, and they may either not buy it at all or buy less of it if there's a 25% tariff on that coming into China. Jordan Goodman, known as America's Money Answers Man, thanks for the insight. Coming up, how Iowa integrates into the global economy. That's next when the Iowa Watch Connection continues, but first I want to tell you about a special event coming up in late September. 
It's the sixth annual Celebrating a Free Press and Open Government Banquet to be held on the evening of Thursday, September 27th at the Marriott Hotel in downtown Des Moines. The special guest speaker this year is Stephen Berry, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist who co-founded the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, Iowa Watch, while he was a faculty member at the University of Iowa School of Journalism and Mass Communication. We'd love to have you join us. For more information and to register, go to iowawatch.org. There's a story there at the bottom of the center column on our main webpage. More information about the Celebrating a Free Press and Open Government Banquet at iowawatch.org. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. Peter Zion is a Marshalltown native and author. He's a geopolitical strategist who specializes in global energy, demographics, and security. His most recent book is called The Absent Superpower. Mark Goodman is a New York Times bestselling author, global strategist, and consultant focused on the profound change technology is having on security, business, and international affairs. His most recent book is called Future Crimes. Zion and Goodman were the keynote presenters at the Iowa Association of Business and Industry Conference in Coralville in early June. I talked with them after they delivered their respective presentations. Mark Goodman speaks first. Iowa will benefit greatly from connecting itself to the world. There's a world of opportunity out there, and Iowans are well-positioned to meet all types of international demand from a business perspective. But at the same time, there are also risks. When Iowa connects itself and all of its technologies and industries to the rest of the world, there's a lot of bad people out there who may be living in places like Ukraine, Moscow, Beijing, or New York, for example, that can now reach out and touch Iowa in a way that was never previously possible. Plus the fact as all of these markets become interconnected, we also have to worry here, this is not the first time you've heard it in your time in Iowa, we're worried about tariffs, we're worried about everything else. What can a business do once they recognize they should be connected and they should be safe, what can they do to protect themselves? Well, here's the great news, is that it doesn't take much to protect yourself. We all see and hear stories on the news about hackers from Russia and hackers from China, NSA is doing this and that. The bottom line is, you can think about your own personal online safety a lot like real world safety. Small steps make a huge difference. You don't leave your front door unlocked at night in most big cities. You don't leave the keys in your car because somebody will steal it. And you should be doing the same for your digital life. And there's a whole series of steps from using a password manager, updating your software, not using an administrator account on your computer, training your employees on how to recognize various software software threats and the like, and those small steps can actually reduce up to 85% of the risk. So there's no such thing as perfect security, but small steps can make a huge difference. And certainly you don't want to just give up on it saying that you can't 
uh, make it perfect because as they say, perfect is the enemy of the good. So Peter, as people are trying to branch out, trying to be a little more comfortable getting outside of our nice little between the Missouri and Mississippi zone here, what are some of the things that cause people the most concern when this topic comes up? My issue is the broader context yeah. of the international system. Yeah. The, the, the problem that I see is that everything about the global system that we currently understand from the Chinese Communist Party to the European Union and everything in between is the side effect of the United States fighting the Cold War. We created the global system specifically in order to purchase allies for that fight. Well, that fight ended 30 years ago, and now under the Trump administration, we're finally letting the system go. It would have gone probably under the current president regardless of who had won the last election. It's just happening with a little bit more showmanship now. That means you need to take a good, hard look at who your potential markets are, who your potential competitors are, and figure out what out there is actually sustainable without the United States underwriting the entire thing. For some industries like manufacturing, this means you need to be very cognizant of where your supply chains run. If you're within North America, brilliant, you're fine. If you're dependent on East Asia, that's kind of the opposite of brilliant. If you're in agriculture, we're looking at a significant collapse in the ability of the world to grow food, but not here. You're looking at probably one of the biggest growth spurts in Iowa history. Just depends upon who you are and what you care about. So as you meet with business leaders, what are the short points that they need to know in order to successfully adapt to this world that continues to change? It always changes, but as you noted, changes rapidly just within the past 12 months, 24 months. The single biggest factor is to know your vulnerability. Know whether it's in your consumers, your competitors, exactly what is in play. And that's something that not just Iowans, but Americans in general really don't understand. We, we've got this idea in this country that you've got the United States and the rest of the world, and the rest of the world is just head and shoulders above the rest of us, and we're in our final decade. Well, Americans have thought that now for 160 straight years running. This is not new. What's different this time is that it's not just wrong, it's completely backwards. It's the rest of the global system that's actually on borrowed time, and if you can find the right islands within it to take advantage of, you're going to be able to write your own check for years. Realistically, in the way we were talking about, cyber has rewritten the rules for everything we've known. Similarly here, it's just a matter of being open and mindful and willing to make the changes as opposed to saying the dreaded words, we've always done it this way. <laughs> well, one advantage that the Iowans have is that we haven't always done it this way. The U.S. economy is only internationalized fairly recently, and for the most part, most Iowa exports, particularly in ag, are going to Central America. That's sustainable. That can be grown. And while challenges to NAFTA are very, very real, most of the markets that Iowans tend to find themselves in are some of the more durable ones. So, Mark, as you hear Peter talk about that part of it, and then the part that we've already discussed. How does that all interconnect? It seems to be part and parcel that people need to be paying attention to both things, not just parallel tracks, intersecting tracks. Absolutely, I think they are inextricably linked one to the other. The development and the technology and the economy and national security are all rolled up in one. And what I would say is in order for the exports to happen, in order for the manufacturing to happen, in order to agriculture to happen, 
that's all going to be mediated through technology. It is all going online one way or the other. Through the Internet of Things, we're going to add 50 billion new devices to the Internet by 2020. According to McKinsey, that's going to generate $13 trillion in economic output. So we're going in that direction. The question is exactly as was just stated about how are we going to understand the risks and protect against them. Because the upside is clear, we just also need to consider the risks. And if you do that and do that well, then you as a country, as a company, or as an individual will have a competitive advantage. It would seem that business people, Peter, know this because you have to establish a business plan. I mean, from the first lemonade stand, there's a business plan. Is there a fear because we put the phrase geo into all of this? It seems to me that might be off-putting to people, but in reality, it's pretty much what they're used to doing if they embrace it. Is that fair? The, the challenge is understanding the markets you're going into. The United States economy has been the least involved economy in the world for decades. And so it's always going to be a little awkward for Americans to venture into the big, bold, wide world. Uh, what most Americans don't realize is that some of the most foreign of the foreign markets Mexico are actually with some that we're already most deeply ingratiated into. Stick with what you know, you'll do fine. Optimistic on the whole, are you? Ah, uh, it depends upon who you are. If you're talking about the United States manufacturing, agriculture, finance, that all looks great. There's shocks coming, but those are things we'll all survive. The broader world, not so much. How about you, Mark? Are you optimistic based upon the conversation and the topics you've raised? I'm absolutely optimistic that technology has the opportunity to portend tremendous good for society. We will radically extend human life. We will cure diseases that we previously thought were incurable. We'll bring a billion people out of poverty and educate the masses. Those are the benefits of our technology. But we also know that there are downsides. And in order for us to reap the benefits and the rewards of these tools, we're going to have to protect them. And if we do that, our technological future can be very bright. Mark Goodman, global strategist and consultant, author of the book Future Crimes. And before that, Peter Zion, an Iowa native and geopolitical strategist. His latest book is called The Absent Superpower. I spoke with them in Coralville in early June, following their respective presentations at the Iowa Association of Business and Industries annual conference. And my thanks to Iowa ABI for arranging the conversations. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again for a list of stations that carry the program and more, iowawatch.org. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.